I want to begin what I think is going to become a series of messages that are absolutely vital to how we approach things in these last days. We're living in the last days in that we're living in the time of the post-ascension and glorification of Jesus. Um, so really, since Jesus came, walked the earth, was crucified, raised, uh, ascended, and is glorified, these are the last days. And of course, every day that goes by, we get closer and closer to uh, or into the last days. So I don't want to get all eschatological in it and you know start talking about what a lot of people focus on, which is not the glory side, but the the dark side of things, the antichrist side of things, the mark of the beast, all that stuff. So a lot of people, when they think the last days, that's what they think of. But what I want to talk about is what Scripture promises us, what God has promised throughout history, and that includes biblical history, about the last days. And of course, a lot of prophetic words, a lot of prophetic messages, I've had some myself, visions and so on, about what God wants to do in the last days. The very first vision that God gave me as a teenager, now I had some encounters as a, as a small boy with the Lord, but the very first vision or group of visions that God gave me as a teenager, uh, decades ago, um, was about multitudes. I saw multitudes coming into the kingdom, uh, multitudes of people. And so what, I, what I'm speaking on in these messages is multitudes and nations are your destiny. Let's start off by looking at Revelation chapter 17, okay? Because there's, there's a truth in there that I want us to see. Uh, when we're dealing with what's happening in earth right now, then we're living in a planet um, where uh, it's, had, it's got the most people it ever has had on the earth at this time. And of course, uh, so we're looking at Revelation 17. It says, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of a fornication. Now, later on in verse 15, it tells us the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are people's multitudes, nations and tongues. People's multitudes, nations and tongues. In other words, all the people of the earth. Uh, the, the earth full of people. Nations. Tribes, peoples, multitudes. And we should be nations-minded, multitudes-minded as believers because our purpose is to preach the gospel to every creature. In other words, bring the gospel of personal salvation to every man, woman and child. But also in the Matthew chapter 28 commission to disciple the nations. And we'll look at that in our studies as we go on. But I want to, I want to speak on nations and multitudes are our destiny as believers, as Christians. Multitudes and nations, that's our destiny. So Isaiah chapter 60, uh, where I spend a lot of my time, a lot of preaching from this chapter, says, Arise, shine, your light has come, the glory of Yahweh has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness of people. That's where we are right now. There's darkness everywhere. Uh, the last few years have shown us that 
we can't trust governments, we can't trust society, the old um, standbys of morality, decency, all, all these things, which were never really uh, as stable, perhaps, as we thought, but were certainly a lot more stable than, than they are right now. In other words, a lot of people have always got up to a lot of bad stuff. You, you read about all... I sometimes read about old Hollywood and some of what these characters you know got up to, and you think, oh, it's a cesspit. You you watch the films and it all looks pure and clean and nice. Then you find out that behind the scenes they were all up to all sorts. And it's not a nice thing to think about or read about, but it makes you understand that a lot of people got up to a lot of stuff in in history in the past. It wasn't as squeaky clean as we maybe think it was. You know, the good old days. But the difference back then was a lot of people did their nasty stuff behind closed doors. They kept it out of the public eye. They didn't flaunt it. They didn't, you know, they did their best to put on a front. Now, that's not good, but it's better than what we have today where people just don't have shame. You know, recent trials, celebrity trials uh, or, or, or court cases, um, you know, celebrities suing each other, some of the stuff you read, it, it's vile. In fact... You just don't want to read it because it's so bad. Because people don't have shame. They don't have a sense of morality anymore. I, I, I don't want to speak about that. I'm just saying that darkness is covering the earth. And of course, all the, the governmental stuff we can talk about. What I'd rather do is focus on the positive side of this and look at God's response to darkness. It's uh, interesting that we, when we look for um, the move of God that's coming, we sometimes maybe, we don't fully comprehend or appreciate, should I say, that it has to come in a time of great declension, a time of great darkness, a time of great falling away. We sometimes, you know, maybe our paradigm has been that, um, you know, revival would just come, hit us, zap us, we'd all be, you know, our churches be full and so on. We haven't maybe understood that in order for it to be truly revival, to be truly awakening, there has to be, if you like, a, a deadness that's going on. And of course, that's what's happening in the earth today. But it says here, look, this is God's answer to the deep darkness. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And of course, glory is God's answer to the darkness. Light is the answer to the darkness. It says here, in 60, Isaiah 60 verse 3, The nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. It's all about rising. Now I have a whole bunch of teaching on what that word rising means, and how it impacts us uh, here in the British Isles, but I'm not going to get into that just now. Um, I've written extensively on this, and I preach extensively on it, but I want to just look at this. The nations will come to your light. You see, when there's darkness over the earth, there's darkness upon the people. They, when you when the light arises, that's what attracts those people. That's what attracts the nations. The nations shall come to your light. And kings, their leaders, in other words, will come to the brightness of your rising. The light, of course, is the answer to the darkness. The light doesn't have to fight the darkness. The light only has to shine. You only have to flip the switch and darkness flees. It is dispelled by light. So the multitudes, the nations, the people, Isaiah 60, we're going to look at Isaiah 60 quite a bit uh, in our studies on this. 
but it, it speaks about people coming, people coming to the light, people coming to the glory. The glory shines bright. It's a light in the dark earth that is covered in darkness. And when it begins to rise, when we begin to arise and that light shines, so the nations will come. Multitudes and nations are your destiny, child of God. Uh, so we, we need to stop thinking about, you know, my little sphere of activity, how can I be okay in the dark times? Or even thinking along the lines of, well, if I could just lead a few folks, a few family members that I love to the Lord. We need to have multitudes and nations on our mind. We need to have multitudes and nations in our thinking. And that goes back to Abraham. And remember, let's just very quickly go to Isaiah chapter 51. You see, when you begin to study this out, about multitudes of nations. It just, it, it grows arms and legs, it goes everywhere in Scripture because God's purpose is to bring in a great harvest. And Isaiah 51 says, Listen to me or hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness, you who seek Yahweh. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. And really the meaning in the Hebrew there is that within Abraham are multitudes. He was alone, but within him were all his seed. Okay? The Bible speaks about Abraham's seed. And of course, his seed is Christ, but if you're in Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. So he's talking about multitudes. There, there's a, a national, sorry, a natural dimension to this. Uh, natural multitudes that would come. Uh, and of course, remember God said to Abraham, can you count the stars can you count the grains of sand so shall your seed be and and this is what i want to get across to you this principle of multiplication god called abraham and multiplied him that's what it means uh the word increased him means multiplied him so you have to see yourself it says here you have to go back to abraham and see abraham was multiplied so you must be multiplied you have to see yourself as somebody who God will multiply thousands and millions and billions of times. You have to see that. You've really got to get got to grasp that. You have to see yourself as a leader of nations and multitudes. Uh, Cesar Castellanos said that. That's so true. You have to see yourself as somebody that God will multiply and replicate and duplicate and do it over and over and over and over and over. And increase you, multiply you. So as you stand just now and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, bring in the multitudes, your prayer is releasing that and releasing angelic hosts to go and make that happen. Your prayer is activating and bringing about a, a shift so that we can have an earth where the foundations of heaven uh, come down, where God can plant the heavens and we can have multitudes here. Now, there are multitudes in eternity. Eternity exists outside of time. We look at the New Jerusalem and it's made up of, of living stones, uh, bricks, if you want to say it that way. Each individual person, part of that New Jerusalem, that city. And it's many, 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 many of them. A great multitude which no man can number. Scripture is full of these metaphors and, and sayings that let us know God doesn't want just a few folk round about him throughout eternity. And so the eternal purpose of God is there to be a great multitude. 
uh, around about the throne. So we need to start seeing things from that perspective. We need to start seeing things from a glory and an eternal perspective. When you see things as they are eternally, not as they are right now in the temporal dimension, in this present age, okay? And when we see that, when we see what God is, his purpose is and what his eternal reality is, which is multitudes, then we'll begin to manifest that in our lives, in our ministries. And that's not to say that we're all called to be Billy Graham. But, you know, you, you could argue that there's a paradigm coming that every single, even the weakest believer will bring in millions. Now, you know, you say, well, that's, that's just fantasy. Well, yeah. It's fantasy in the temporal realm, but it's reality in the eternal realm. God has a great multitude. So it may not be millions, but it will be many. Multitudes. Multitudes and nations are your destiny. Imagine you believe God for your nation. Now, there may be a thousand people believing for the same nation. That's great. We all have it. We all share it. You understand? We need to start thinking as he thinks to say this nation is God's nation, it's a kingdom nation. Now, I claim it, and I claim its denizens, I claim its citizens, I claim its inhabitants, because we have to start being multitudes-minded and nations-minded. Jesus says, go disciple the nations. And, you know, you can go look this up for yourself. But when he said that in Matthew chapter 28, he wasn't talking about disciples from the nations. The Greek is very clear that he is talking about the nations themselves being discipled, the entire nation. Think about that. Can you stretch your faith and your thinking to realise that God is saying to you and I, I want entire nations discipled? I mean, that's just way beyond where a lot of people have pitched their tent. But we need to, we need to up, up stake, we take stakes up and move on to the promised land that God wants us to live in where we start to believe God for nations. You know, we've got this mentality. Now, now I'm a remnant, so I'm, I, I, you know, I, I like talking about remnant. I like dealing with the remnant. I like, um, I understand remnant thinking. But we, but remnants are there for a purpose, and the purpose is harvest. It's not just, well, it's us four and no more. We'll make it through. You know, that's not God's heart. God made you a remnant saying, if he did, uh, and and if he, and if you're not a remnant saint, then the, you know the call is there for you to be one. But he has a remnant for a purpose, he, because God will deal with a nation according to the remnant in that nation. God will deal with uh, a, a group of people, uh, a, a larger group of people, according to the remnant, the, the the small number. But the remnant must be activated, must be engaged must be aligned properly, must be doing what they're supposed to be doing. But God's heart is for the whole group. It's not just for the remnant. Now, he loves the remnant. He loves dealing with the remnant. It's great to be part of the remnant. But the remnant has a purpose, and that is to bring in the rump. That is to, to grow and expand so that there's a great harvest, so that they're not the only seed. If the Lord had not left us a seed, we would have been in Sodom and Gomorrah. But, you know, the seed is meant to produce a harvest. Every seed is designed to produce a harvest. So if you're a precious remnant seed, then you're there to be sown so that God can get a greater group of people. God had Jesus, his precious uh, only begotten son. Uh, 
Jesus was sown so that there would be uh, many sons and daughters. So nations, multitudes, peoples, tribes, clans, whatever you want to call them, start being multiplication and multitude-minded folks to see that God's purpose is for a far greater harvest than just you and your buddies, you and your small church, you and your uh, you know little group, because the fastest way to go from being authentic people of God to being a cult is to think it's you know just just as God God's favor does, and all the rest are all you know <laughs> they're all lost or they're all weird or they're all not part of what God is doing in our little special group, folks. You need to bend that way of thinking. That way of thinking is going to get you in a heap of trouble, and you're going to lose your your destiny if you stay there. Okay. It's time for us to understand. Jesus says, look, uh, the fields are white. They're ripe for harvest. Get into that program. We've looked at this uh, in recent messages, but your nations, multitudes, they're, they're all our destiny. We're, they're what we're supposed to be, multitude-minded, nation-minded. Uh, you know, We're all about harvest. We're all about multiplication. We're all about seeing many, many people come to Christ. You know, there's a genera- generations previously to this present one and, and maybe even you know, up to the last couple we've lost that a lot of generations previously they were harvest minded they were souls minded getting people saved and so on a lot of Christians felt that way were, were engaged in evangelism or evangelistic stuff but we've lost that we've lost it in terms of the body of Christ has lost it many of us in the body have lost it and we're really just holding on to the ground that we have we're, we're, we're like you know, uh, we're in a little fortress and we're surrounded by hostiles and our entire purpose is to, to hold the fort. You know that, him, hold the fort for I'm coming. That's the mentality, the, the siege mentality. We cannot have a siege mentality. We have to be people who see the harvest, who who knock down the walls of the fort from within and go out there and engage, Okay. Um, now there's nothing wrong with protecting your turf, protecting you know having a little bit of a uh, secret place, but but he's our secret place, okay? We can't build uh, mental castles, we can't build physical castles where we hide behind four walls and don't engage the culture, the society, the people that are out there. We have to start believing God for multitudes and start believing God for ways to reach them. You know, supernatural anointings, giftings, all of that, outpourings, awakenings. But also, if God wants to give us strategies, um, you know, that's great too. But we're not going in human plans, human programs, human growth strategies. We want Holy Ghost strategies. We want kingdom strategies. So that's where we are. That's where we're headed for, is to be part of a great end time harvest. And this mindset, say it to yourself over and over, multitudes and nations are my destiny. Multitudes and nations are my destiny. Multitudes and nations are my destiny. If you speak it, you'll walk in it. And we'll all see, all of us, the great end time harvest begin to manifest in our midst. Till next time, it's Bill McMurdo here. The Lord bless you.